Hello everybody and welcome back to the Retro Monster Truck Review. My name is Josh Rhodes, your host with the most here on the show. Just flew in from Seattle and I'm about to go to Indianapolis, Indiana to go to the Lucas Oil Stadium for Monster Jam this weekend. Guys, it's been a very busy few weeks for both myself and Matt, and we both want to apologize for uh, the lack of updates here on our social media pages. But hey, these next two weeks, we've got pretty good shows coming for you. Uh, lately, I have been very, like I said, very busy. I'm getting ready to literally walk out the door as soon as I get done recording this intro and setting these episodes up to head to Indianapolis to the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. I always keep wanting to say RCA Dome. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be going to Lucas Oil Stadium this week for Monster Jam. Matt actually sat down these past uh, couple of days with Dan Chichagosh, a guy who's been on this show regularly. He hosts the Crush This Monster Truck podcast, a podcast I've been on as well. And uh, they wanted to talk about the U.S. Truck Fest from 1997, over 40 monster trucks here at this event. And I can't wait to hear these next two weeks what these guys are going to be talking about with you. Myself, on the other hand, I got a few things working on the back burner as well. There's a certain 40th anniversary of a certain black and green truck out there and a certain driver that I want to have here on the show to talk about a lot of things. But uh, that's that's for down the road. That's a little bit later. But anyway, we're going to jump right into this with Cheech and, of course, Matt Stoltz here on the Retro Monster Truck Review. Welcome back, guys. again everybody to another episode of the retro monster truck review this week special edition we're halfway on the road i'm sitting here at home in front of my desk but josh rhodes he's not with us yet again he's out on the road to monster jam but our road victim this week is dan agosh with the raminator team he's driving through new york right now how you doing cheech oh i'm doing good right now here uh we're actually halfway between syracuse and albany uh, we got a uh, team got split in half. Uh, uh, people may not know that uh, Stone Crusher and the Hook Monster Trucks on this East Tour here, uh, they blew uh, their, uh, blew the motors. Uh, and right now in this uh, crazy time, um, it's hard to get parts. So uh, they asked us to see if we can uh, place one truck in here, and uh, I'm on my way right now to. Uh, have Mark Hall's truck uh, here in Albany, New York. Sounds good, man. The supply chain shortages, uh, I guess, industry-wide here for monster trucks as well, you know, and the Ram guys always prepared, ready to fill in and kind of bring in that extra truck at a moment's notice. Good to hear. So this week, we're talking about Charlotte. 1997, the big truck fest here, June 13th, 14th, 15th, 1997. This is being aired on Inside Monster Jam. Uh, this week we're covering the challenge class, which was the kind of open qualifying purse race that they had at this event. Only a six-week turnaround for the TV date. Uh, July 29th, 1997 was the date that this show airs. We're at the Charlotte Motor Speedway here in Concord, North Carolina. Again, Inside Monster Jam, your host, Jerry Bernardo, voiceover by Scott Douglas. Cheech, this was a really, really cool event, especially for the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, like, uh, I always thought this was Pace or United States Hot Rods version of the four-wheel drive jamboree. Uh, man, having two different classes, 
Uh, one of those classes, open qualifying with that, a prize, purse, money, uh, and then you have so much other activities, which uh, if you think about it, later down the line, they could use, they use some of that for the Vegas World Finals. Yeah, they did. You know, you mentioned the Jamboree connection here. Humpy Wheeler, which, you know, there's going to be an interview with him during these Charlotte episodes talking about wanting to put on a big monster truck show there at the Speedway. And if you are a connoisseur of racing, you know who Humpy Wheeler is and you know he doesn't do anything uh, that isn't just totally over the top. So he wanted the biggest and baddest event possible at their facility there in Charlotte. So this was kind of Pace's attempt, like you said, to produce a Jamboree-style off-road event, but they had even more elements. We had not one, but two different classes of monster truck racing on some of the biggest tracks that we'd ever seen in the industry at that point. We had a 4x4 show and shine competition, four-wheel drive truck pulling that actually started the outdoor summer point series for the Redman All-American Pulling series for 96 sand drags there at charlotte down pit road tough trucks in a variety of classes the extreme sports zone a kids zone those are both in the infield live music concerts they did a truck parade through uptown charlotte and they had a manufacturer's midway there at the speedway as well kind of a predecessor to the food line auto fair that they do now so these last two um or excuse me these two episodes kind of finish out the first season of inside monster jam in terms of the actual event based ones they're the last two here right before the season recap and they aired after the pittsburgh episode which was actually recorded the following weekend after truck fest so they went ahead got pittsburgh processed through you can go check out our episode on that event i was at the event live it's one of my favorites of all time make sure you check that one out in the archives now, this event was billed and advertised as being an event with over 40 monster trucks. And in reality, that was a fairly good estimate by them on the advertising team because they ended up with 35 trucks on hand between the two racing classes. You had the four ride trucks, which were Safari Foot, the Snake Bite Ride Truck, Predator Ride Truck, and there was a ride truck called Sidewinder. And then there was also San Marino's 48-inch tired truck called raptor they were performing exhibitions over the weekend trying to get a 48 inch tire class going there in the late 90s and i also found an online review of the event referencing a sponsored display truck which brings our total to 35 monster trucks at a minimum here on the grounds at charlotte motor speedway and the event itself was really heavily publicized they had tv commercials running all season on inside monster jam earlier in the year and they during other programs on espn2 here's some of the audio from that commercial never before and maybe never again u.s truck fest june 13th 14th and 15th at the legendary charlotte motor speedway for the first time ever over 40 of the world's best monster trucks plus hundreds of show trucks sand drags rough trucks four-wheel drive truck pulling extreme sports manufacturers midway live music and much more the biggest truck show in the world u.s truck fest june 13th through the 15th charlotte motor speedway Man, they're really building it up to be a big-time event here, Cheech, and we've got the challenge class this week. Now, these at the time were like what they were calling the up-and-comers of the industry. Now, you didn't always get to see all of these guys on TV regularly. Some of them you did, but really the class was open to anyone who could meet the USHRA safety rules. They had a grand total purse that they laid out in advance of $50,000 
that was available over the 32 bracket positions that were available for this event. The winner taking a total of $5,500, which was a really good payday for an independent in 1997, Cheech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good money. Good uh, good money for a lot of the guys, you know, outside of what, you know, off the top of your head there. Uh, only, only a few trucks had multiple trucks in their division. Well, a lot of these guys had single trucks. So that money can process go really go a long way. And it, it, it also a side note, um, you message messaged me a little bit about uh, why some of the trucks like, you know, um, Mark and Tim Hall, the executioner weren't there. Uh, they had a prior engagement with USA Motorsports. Um, they were um, doing some uh, displays during the summertime for uh, Beefo Brady or the the the, um, the beef company. Yoberto uh, beef Alberto, jerky. Yeah, yeah, they were doing a lot of displays for them. Um, they were trying to. Uh, it was, I think, uh, they were trying to push uh, the branding of that for USA and stuff like that. So uh, that's why they missed out on it. But the other, the other events uh, in the future, though, they did uh, take place. And uh, on a side note, too. Uh, uh, they had a Bigfoot body on one of their trucks at one point in time. Yeah, they did. They ran the Sting body at the Atlanta Truck Fest in 1998. Now, this big truck fest here in 97 is the only one that really got any notoriety for that year. I do happen to have a competitor packet from this event that includes one of the brochures for the Charlotte weekend. And inside that brochure... They say that coming soon is the New England U.S. Truck Fest at Stafford Motor Speedway, August 1st through the 3rd. But from everything I could find online, they kind of just build that still as a normal Monster Jam event. And then they really ran with this Truck Fest idea for 98 where they did Charlotte, Atlanta, Stafford, Pikes Peak, at least those four, if not more, where they had kind of a more condensed monster truck lineup, 10 or 12 trucks, and then you still had the tough trucks and the sand drags and the show and shine and all that stuff to go with it. Kind of a smaller version of what we have here in 97, but they went whole hog for this first one in Charlotte because, like I said, $50,000 for the monster truck challenge class, which, you know, has arguably, you know, none of your real big names in it. And it's, it's a big-time open qualifying race, which was not a very common thing, especially during this period of the industry. Just making the first round gets you a $1,000 payday, and, you know, that's to, to go make two runs. Um, you know, maybe it's a hair bit low for the time, but if you at least can make it into the show and get to that first round, you know, each for each round was an additional $500 of purse money that you got. So you had two qualifying sessions on Friday, eliminations happening on Saturday, 19 trucks showed up to run in this open class. So they didn't quite get the whole 32 they were hoping for, but here's our event lineup for the monster truck challenge class. We've got liquidator and Bob Fisher reptoid with Jim, Jim Jack, who is really uh, kind of having a breakout year in, in 96 and 97 with the Reptoid truck. Bennett Clark bringing the old Clydesdale out, still Leaf Spring truck there. Pat Suma's got Thrasher just switching over from above and beyond the year prior. We've got Doug Cole and Blown Thunder 
coming to run in Charlotte. That's the old Tropical Thunder truck, Gunslinger, and Scott Hartsock, really what you would call one of the top up-and-comers at that time, getting a lot of TV exposure there in that 97 season. Sudden Impact with John Seesock. Uh, an interesting entry here, Stan Emery and Orange Crate. Now, this was the first large show for Stan, according to the online reports that I'd read. Stan spent like five years building the Orange Crate truck, and this was his first big event out here in Charlotte. And he did make passes down the track. We've got King Crunch and Scott Stevens, Little Tiger and Brian Barthel, Dawn Borders with Mistress, Toasaurus Rex with Jeff Bercy. Uh, who else we got? Cyborg, Jack Caberna, kind of getting a good rub there on TV in 97 with a lot of TV events. Survivor with Chuck Jordan. One of my favorite obscure trucks, Thunderdog with Larry Meyerhofer out of Virginia. And that's actually, at this point, the old barefoot racer leaf spring truck that he had at the time. He showed up to Charlotte to race. Ground Pounder with Steve Woodard. Uh, Mike Vodders in the Black Stallion 2000, arguably one of the biggest names here in this open class. We've got Avenger, and it's not Jim Kohler's Avenger. It's one of the Piso trucks with an Avenger body on it that would turn into uh, the carnivore truck in later years with the yellow and purple. We've got Jeff Cook in the war wagon, his new four-link truck out there looking good. And as you mentioned, you know, the Hall brothers not there. A lot of folks don't remember, they were really on the ground floor with this Smokecraft deal, running one of the first bulldozer bodies along with Guy Wood. So, you know, they got to Make sure that they keep their prior engagements as well. It's unfortunate that the Hall brothers couldn't be there. I think they really would have uh, had a good shot to win at one of these open qualifying type events, big, long, straight line track. Another another, another team that I was questioning that should have been there too was Charlie Pock and Excalibur. Uh, yeah, good point. I wonder where he was uh, at again. You know, he, he, he handled a lot of the stadium shows that they gave him, and he obviously ran with a lot of the quote-unquote up-and-coming trucks, you know, with Botters and Cook from the Thunder Nationals, and, um, you know, there, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, I, I would like to see in-depth on why maybe a lot of the guys didn't make it, like Rambo, uh, you know, the, uh, it's funny because we, we you know, the, the IMJ stuff that we look at is a magazine formatted program, so they do do more than just to Charlotte, they do other trucks. Well, they 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 show other events with other trucks there. You know, like American Guardian stuff yeah. like that. So that, that. That always sometimes makes me think, saying, you know, uh, what what prior obligations that some of the guys have that um, I I would put my I put a check to my paycheck that Charlie Pocket would be there if he had time to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. You know, the following week there in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pawkin was there. Gary Bauer and Nightmare was there. Uh, Joe Bagdonis and American Guardian was in was in Pittsburgh as well. None of these guys were in Charlotte, so I don't know if maybe they had other shows that weekend. This is a time when Pace was really doing a lot of those summer shows, especially shows at smaller speedways, and then they were doing some stadium as well. I wasn't able to find anything that was this concurrent weekend, but I may have to uh, – do some further research on that because there were really a lot of trucks that weren't there uh, given you know their stature with us hot rod at the time our tv coverage is going to start off here the episode with all a whole bunch of the trucks lined up on the trioval 
at Charlotte Motor Speedway for photo ops. And Scott Douglas saying that nearly 50 of the best trucks in the world are in Charlotte. A bit of a fib, or, I mean, if you really want to round up to the nearest 50, yeah, there's 50. Uh, <laughs> but uh, here's that uh, intro, which I just love with that original music coming in. I always would get kind of like uh, the hair rising up on my arms as a seven or eight-year-old kid when they would play that IMJ intro. Here's the intro, and here's Jerry talking about their upcoming episode here in Charlotte. Inside Monster Jam. Twenty bucks. You never seen fifty monster trucks in one place. U.S. Truck Fest presented by Chevy Truck Charlotte. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Place is going off. Come on, we got a job to do. It's inside Monster Jam. I'm Jerry Bonato, and that's the Thrasher. Also, the up and comers—they're going for a purse of fifty-five hundred dollars. Look at the crowd behind me. It's super huge. Hey, we're missing it all. Look at all these trucks. Come on, fifty-five hundred bucks. You're an up and comer. You want to race? Charlotte Motor Speedway. What, the cameraman can't run in the mud? Well, he's gonna have to because it's inside Monster Jam. With nearly 50 monster trucks competing in one venue pressed from around the world, couldn't be that far behind. Let's talk about U.S. Truck Fest. This has to be, without a doubt, the biggest event that we've ever seen. Most awesome event I've ever been to. The most trucks, some of the fastest trucks on the planet are here. It's just unbelievable is what it is. Man, I'm just pumped up watching that you know it's just such good stuff Cheech what do you think about that IMJ intro I love it and then you have then you have David Lee voiceover you know and then the explosions and the the awesome technology that was back then I love I love that intro that that made me when I was a little kid run because run to to my house just to watch the intro like outside of you I was also personally there at the Pittsburgh event too and um mm-hmm. and i just i just uh i just got excited like i i i i know a few years prior to you know finding out that imj was on espn2 i i really didn't really follow a lot of little monster trucks so i you know i mean like once a year when they come to pittsburgh or when i was living in virginia i would just be like oh okay once a year but then i found out oh you know there's something else outside trucks and tractor power that I could watch. And then yeah. when I went to shows in general, that intro, that intro just, it, it, it is, it is top tier. Awesome. I, I hands down one of the best intros out there. And I love the show format. You mentioned it's a magazine format and we got to see kind of a taste of everything going on in the USHRA at the time. It wasn't just the monster trucks. It was all those side acts we had, uh, whether you love them or not, the outlaw quad wars, which, you know, depending on uh, your opinion of that could add a lot of entertainment or really detract from the the value of the event. Um, You had your motorcycles. They even did some supercross coverage here in 97 as well, which was of course a, a pace property and that still continues with Feld today. So they got a lot of different stuff, all the side acts, the stunts, sand drags all this other different stuff that was going on at the time it just it's a complete package and it really gave the viewer at home a good idea of what they were going to see if they went to an event because they didn't just do the big stadiums they showed the arena stuff as well and that's what i always like to see yeah and they also did the side acts of like if they branch off to the thunder nationals 
they uh, uh-huh. would talk about those, uh, uh, I guess, go-kart pickup trucks that look like the NASCAR truck series. Yeah. Uh, that, that did, uh, the, like, the round-year-round racing and stuff like that. They want that. Or, or Brian Carson. Um, uh, I mean, the stunts, uh, the ins and outs of Robosaurus. Uh, even they went far and beyond even their cup of tea where even in this episode that we're looking at, they even talk about the legend cars. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, that's something that was really outside of their wheelhouse, but they ended up doing a big feature on it. We start the episode off here after the intro with all the trucks lined up again here, media outlets doing you know work and interviews with the trucks and the drivers. Now, this was all recorded on Thursday. They actually had a media event that allowed press from you know around the country to kind of set up, get up close and personal to all these Truck Fest participants and – then Scott goes on to explain the, the truck structure with two classes of racing, the challenge class and then the championship class, which would be on the following episode. And it, they actually, you know, ran these classes intertwined with each other during the live events. So, you know, Friday you had just the, the, the championship class. Saturday you had the the challenge and championship class and then you ran an exhibition challenge class on Sunday along with the championship class but I have my show format here in front of me I mean these were long long days Cheech Thursday 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. that's just for registration media seminar media events Um, they had a a celebrity and competitor softball tournament (laughs) on Thursday afternoon they had a driver barbecue with the sponsors and uh, that was a long day of, of schmoozing on Thursday there. Friday, 8 a.m., registration and tech opens, and then monster truck uh, qualifying started at noon. And then the actual live show for the fans ends at almost 10 p.m. So these guys are putting in marathon days overall, but they did have a lot of downtime as well to make sure they had their stuff ready to go. Yeah, because there was so many, so much other activities going on, like we mentioned pri- previously, and uh, it all mixed up together uh, for this weekend of activities that they have, which is, like I said before, just like a, uh, a similar thing to the four-wheel drive jamborees. The track here going to be explained as a 400-foot drag race. Now, we're starting off the, the Monster Truck Challenge class with kind of a small roller hill, uh, two-car jump, then another two-car jump and an eight-car finishing jump. And with such a long track, the drivers are kind of concerned about the length of it. It's something that they're not really used to, even at some of the bigger outdoor events. Mike Vauders mentions that he has to make a big gear change because they normally don't even run courses over 300 feet long, and this course over 400 feet long. So big-time adjustments happen to be made here by the drivers you know we've got the two classes of racing again as we said and we're going to start off our monster truck coverage itself with some of the qualifying runs here in the monster truck challenge class on friday we see cyborg coming in in fifth a pretty good run for jack caberna in the two-wheel drive truck again gunslinger an up-and-comer really at the time breaking onto tv with a lot of frequency takes the fourth overall position king crunch the veteran scott stevens ends up third the somewhat of a surprise, you know, because he didn't get to run on the big tracks all that much. Jeff Cook in the war wagon, second place overall. The truck here in the qualifying run on the TV show looks really, really good the way that he has it set up here. And then Bob Fisher and the liquidator are going to kind of start 
his effort to try to win this whole thing. He's going to take the top qualifying spot in first place. Now, Cheech, as you watch these trucks and run, you know, the track's a little wet. They're running here in the afternoon. There's no fans here yet in the stands, really. It's really a competition-oriented format. Right, right. And then, and then you know, they when they talked about the qualifying, they showed, you know, Jack Roberta doing his qualifying, losing his tailgate, bedside to stop mm-hmm. it. And then later down, later on during the night, the track comes around, and it kind of helps out Jeff Cook and War Wagon, uh, because uh, that track helped him out. And then uh, watching Fisher's qualifying, uh, you you could you could tell there was a theme that's about to be starting with that challenge series. Uh, uh, one one and and then also, it just you also notice how much they're pushing the trucks. It's qualifying still, but they're pushing it. They're pushing them really, really hard. They really are. And and to that point, we get our leaderboard here on the screen and the top five trucks are all within a second of each other. 10.11 for Liquidator and all the way down in fifth, Cyborg 11.04. So really, really tight competition at the top of this field of 19 trucks in the challenge class. And then we see the six through 10 Survivor, Blown Thunder, Reptoid, Black Stallion and Ground Pounder. And honestly, they're not really that far off either ground pounder to 13.16 a couple more runs for any of these guys and they're really going to have this track dialed in uh, with the feel that you're having and also with the track changes and also the preparation of gear changes and whatever the guys need to do the whole the, you really you could have maybe leaned a little bit towards liquidator but it was wide open yeah, Bob Fisher had a lot of experience in running the Speedway shows, especially, and, you know, of course, he, he was the winner at the uh, Wall Speedway in New Jersey on the Monster Truck Spectacular VHS, which was kind of a popular choice back in the 90s for a lot of people at the discount video stores. Um, he, he knew how to run on a long track, and as much experience as he had, we'll see if it plays off for him here. Um, We're covering not only just the Charlotte event here, but this whole episode of Inside Monster Jam. So coming back from commercial here, we get our weekly Monster Moment segment. Now, this was always my favorite segment of the show because even as a seven or eight-year-old kid watching, I love the old stuff. And this week's segment kind of features the transition from the old steel body trucks to their modern fiberglass body counterparts. And we see Bigfoot, you know, in St. Paul in 88 with the steel body. We see the transition then to, you know, Bigfoot 11 with Eric Tackett and Big Air. And then we've got Barefoot going from Chevy to Dodge. We've got a lot of old clips here. Um, Gravedigger. We've got Carolina Crusher, Taurus, all of these trucks, you know, then and now here in 1997. Interestingly enough, the Taurus uh, shots are the same truck. Taurus 3 in Pontiac in the fall of 1989, and then the same truck in New Orleans in 1997. So uh, they kind of had fiberglass on both of those ones. But the rest of these trucks really were a severe upgrade in terms of performance and getting the trucks a lot lighter. Right. And uh, just the, the storytelling that Scott was talking about with that segment and all the different uh, footages of all these different monster trucks, including like Gravedigger and, and uh, you know, Barefoot. It's so neat uh, when you're a kid to watch 
you know, a lot of the old school stuff because you always like, oh, forgot about, you know, you know, the the full blue body Bigfoot, and then you take a look at fast forward to the the green and the pink and teal. Um, I always like always like that, and and uh, I, I like how they uh, uh, capture the essence of just the past and mixing it in with today. Yeah, so an open letter to Scott Jordan and, and Colt Stevens up there in the booth for Monster Jam. Uh, get in your director's ear, see if they can pull some old footage and do like a 30-second, you know, throwback segment every week on Monster Jam. It'll it'll get some kid passionate about it like it got us excited back in the 90s. Right, you, right, right. I mean, uh, that's, that's what I look forward to the most each week. So coming out of that segment now, we've got Jerry here in the kids' zone. And that's something that Charlotte still does at their annual event every August with MTX Productions. Brian Manson doing the back-to-school monster truck bash over there at the dirt track. They have a huge kids' zone at the pit party where they have the big inflatable uh, playground stuff and all that stuff going on. So that's something that even translates over to today. Our next uh, segment is going to be Stadium Rough Trucks out of St. Louis at the TWA Dome. And we've got, for a short, straight-line track here, a lot of damage because these are mostly street-oriented trucks. They really struggle on this course. We see a lot of broken axles, a lot of bad hops and, and, and hits on these trucks. Our winner is Jim Kemper, who manages to get a smooth run on that straight-line track with a little bit more off-road-oriented vehicle with the big tires. But I tell you what, Cheech, uh, these street guys, you know, the USA Motorsports Monster Truck Challenge was known for the pro arena trucks, but the rough trucks and U.S. Hot Rod really brought a bunch of spectacular moments as well. Right, and it's always exciting seeing those because it's the weekend warriors, and they, uh, you know, they want to show their stuff, stretch their stuff, I guess you may say, you know, show what they have to do, and they'll they'll put the beating on it to a point where. Uh, uh, they have to sometimes maybe have to break the truck. Yeah, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame for sure, especially if you can do it in front of 40,000 people. Next segment here is going to be monster truck racing, and we're heading all the way out west to Sacramento. We're here in the Arco Arena, straight line, short arena track, one jump over the cars, and we start off with Craig Christensen and Dragon Slayer taking out his wife, Julie Christensen, and misbehaving. So I guess Julie going to be doing the dishes that night in the holler. We've got Sky Hartley and Bigfoot taking out Joe Cipher, an Air Airborne Ranger, one of his first TV appearances here on Inside Monster Jam in the old uh, red, blue, and kind of yellow Airborne Ranger initial paint scheme that he had. We've got Pablo Huffaker and Gravedigger absolutely demolishing Mike Dropic in priority one with that kind of wheelie trip run that always looks good on an indoor straight line track. And then we go on, Pablo does, to wipe out Joe Cipher and Airborne Ranger again, came back as that fast loser. Bigfoot and Dragon Slayer, the other semifinal matchup, and Sky Hartley going to get the better half of that matchup. And that puts our finals into a Bigfoot Gravedigger showdown, which is always really, you know, what the fans are going to want to come to see. If you got both of these trucks at the same arena, um, that's the matchup you want. Now, in Pittsburgh, we didn't really get that during this era. Um, from 94 onward, it was pretty much you either got Bigfoot or Gravedigger, rarely both, especially in the arena, at the Civic Arena. So... We, we didn't get to have this dream matchup 
at least in Pittsburgh, very much. But here in Sacramento, they get it. And Gravedigger is going to come out the winner after Sky Hartley, kind of sleeping at the light a little bit. Pablo going to take about a tire-length lead here at the finish line. Sky tried to come back hard, but just couldn't get it done. This West Coast action, Cheech, you know, it was really cool to see, again, some of the small arena action. Right, and seeing all the, uh, to me, seeing the West Coast trucks, uh, also seeing the West Coast trucks in general uh, is always unique because me and you never really got a chance to see, you know, we would occasionally, you know, see Chuck Jordan and Survivor would would once in a while. He was at Pittsburgh that same episode that we were yeah. talking about. Yeah, as much but, as he says he wasn't there, he was there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> on that. My goodness. Anyway, uh, but still, seeing all the, uh, I just love, I just love it also how they, like you said before, they even bring the smaller events, and uh, and I think that's pretty cool where they just go in depth on every single format of their program. Now, every, speaking of every format, the next format we're going to cover here is the Outlaw Quad Wars from the Seattle Kingdom. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this uh, event was actually like in very late 96, or it was like maybe the first weekend of 97. Um, they're presenting it here as one of the last points events for the season, but um, I'm not sure how they managed to kind of ring all that together, if they kept track of it as they were doing it, how they were going to lay this out. But Team South's Mike Stutton gets escorted out in handcuffs after a fight before the main event. Uh, P.J. Hall ends up grabbing the win for Team North, and P.J.'s still out there racing quads today, doing uh, fun shows, and especially a lot of the KSR events. I got to see him last year. Uh, he was finally back playing the heel again, which I like to see. Uh, P.J. puts on a great show for the crowd. Oh, yeah, P.J. and also Chris uh, Butters. Uh, no, Butler. I'm sorry, man. He's going to nag on me when he hears this episode. Uh, <laughs> him and his crew put on one heck of a program. Uh, they're especially around our neck of the woods. And uh, it's cool to still see them still doing what they're doing today. For sure. I mean, PJ's been – I've never seen a guy intentionally crash so many times and, and be able to walk away from it. He's really skilled at what he does, regardless of whether it's scripted or not. Uh, to be able to do that and not hurt yourself is, is really, really impressive. Our next segment here on the show is Thrill Seekers. And we go to the L.A. Coliseum in the quagmire. El Nino really messing up Brian Carson's car jump attempt here. The, uh, the rain really hampers this, all the mud on the floor in the Coliseum. Brian's starting all the way up in the peristyle, which was part of the Quad Wars course that night. And he, he just can't get the speed going. He, he comes down. You can see he gets a little speed, and then he really bogs himself down heading toward the ramp. Just can't get any traction. The car's kind of going sideways on him. He goes for the jump. He's going to do it either way, but uh, he doesn't even make it of the catch cars he barely clears the first pyro box which really could have been kind of dangerous um the second pyro box goes off right in front of him as he lands on the muddy surface and it was probably one of the harder hits for carson just because you had nothing to land on cheech what do you think yeah and especially we don't have traction uh but you have to give the man the credit he's gonna do it no matter what you know rain shine uh he's there for those fans and uh uh, I, I mean, Brian is him and like Spanky Spangler. Um, they, they'll just, it doesn't matter what it is, they're going to try their best to put on a great show. Absolute legends for sure in the world of stuntmen. Now, 
we go to our jammer question of the week, which is why are monster trucks so loud? We come back from commercial with Tony Farrell explaining that the trucks have open headers, no mufflers on them, and he shows you know the open, the very very short zoomy open headers there on the Wild Thing truck. And this jammer question and answer were done at the uh, Pittsburgh pit party, which was really cool as they were kind of wrapping up filming for the year. But you see the headers, they barely make the turn downward on the Wild Thing truck. And my, how things change because especially you go to a Monster Jam show now, you know, they're all running the, the muffler collectors because, um, you know, that's just kind of the world we live in now, especially with the families and, um, you know, some of the folks that, that have disabilities that are real sensitive to the loud noises. They want to make sure that those folks are able to come to the show as well as your noise ordinances and stuff like that. And they just, they can't have those bad, bad open headers in the small arenas as much anymore from their aspect. But we go to some fair shows during the summer and I'll tell you what, some of them trucks really still uh, get my heart pumping with how loud they are. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, hearing <laughs> those open headers or zoomies and stuff like that is it's still it's still pretty cool to hear. And and sometimes I have to I have to say this: sometimes those mufflers, uh, people may not know, there's like a little filter in those muffler systems, and sometimes within like, gosh, second or third week out, they're already done, they're burn up. So pretty much the muff that quote unquote muffler or those that header system uh, sounds exactly like you have open pipes. Those are, those are some trucks <laughs> out there that have that stuff that's just as loud as some of the trucks with pipes on them. And uh, sometimes it scratches. I scratch my head saying, mm, "That's a loud son of a gun." One place where you might be able to escape some of that noise is way up at the top of the press box at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That's where Jerry is for this next segment, talking with uh, Humpy Wheeler, as we had mentioned earlier. Uh, he and Humpy kind of discuss how this event came to be, and here's uh, Humpy's description of that. Okay, on Inside Monster Jam, you always get to meet new and exciting people. Finally, I had to crawl to the top of the roof to meet Humpy Wheeler. How you doing? Oh, I just came up from the fourth row. The people are having a ball. This is this is pro football on wheels. <laughs> I want to know what made you decide to bring monster trucks here, right into the heart of well, hardcore motor racing. Well, my buddies at Chevrolet wanted to really put a show on, and I said, let's bring the monster trucks in, and uh, let's pull the sand drags and all that other stuff, because they're big into trucks. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So uh, I called Pace, and I said, let's go, let's do it. What about those legend cars? You had a little bit something to do with that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we started the legend car thing. We've, uh, they've sort of like rabbits, they've been multiplying. We've uh, sold about 2,100 of them. And I'm thinking about building a legend's four-wheel drive that we can do out here with a monster truck. Sort of the little brother. The innovator, the man, the legend, the myth, Humpy Wheeler. How am I doing? You're doing great. All right. Humpy and I want to look at that piece. You went to the place where they checked out the legend cars, see how they were made. Yeah. I want to see it. I wasn't there. Let's roll it on Inside Monster Gym. Thank you for your time, sir. Let's get out of here before right. it starts raining, because when the black cloud comes over that roof, it's all over. Ah, uh, that's the irrigation system. No problem. Running the mud. Thanks again cool to hear how they decided to put this whole event together here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now, what's cool is they kind of go into the Legends cars here, and we that transitioned us into a segment of, at 600 Racing, which is now called U.S. Legends Cars, in uh, right near the track there. They're only a few miles away 
in Harrisburg, North Carolina, I believe, and that's where the Legends cars are constructed. We get a full kind of factory tour about these cars. And Cheech, I don't know if you've ever got to see these things perform live, but when we would go down to Charlotte for vacation in the summer to stay with my grandparents, they only you know lived very close to the track. We would go on Tuesday nights to the summer shootout to watch these guys race, and it was some of the coolest racing you'd ever see, especially because you could see a lot of these up-and-comers that are going to make it one day. I got to see Joey Logano in a Bandolero car. I got to see, you know, Adam Petty racing these machines way back in the mid nineties. It was really, really cool. It's, it's the best value racing you could get for five bucks. At least that's what it was when I was still going. Yeah. I never had the option or uh, attempt to see uh, them race. Uh, Mike Harper actually showed me one of the cars that he had when we were in Texas um, but never seen seen one run before, which is pretty impressive. Just seeing them get built in general. Yeah, they're really cool. They're like a three quarter scale, you know, version of the old cars that initially started the sport back in the forties. And we've got like a four cylinder motorcycle engine. I think they say they run on like a Yamaha engine of some kind. And they were using like Toyota Celica rear ends, um, which I'm not sure if they have the sourcing on those anymore, or maybe if they've switched to something else, but it's really impressive to see just how many people have come through this legends car program. It's a spec racing class. You can't do a whole lot in terms of tuning. A lot of it comes down to the driver and some will say it comes down to hell. Well, you can cheat too, but, um, you know, it was really cool to see these guys come up through the ranks over the years from the Bandoleros, which are like really big go-karts. They graduate into the Legends cars, and then, you know, you do that, and then they're kind of ready to go into some of the feeder series back then, which would have been like ASA or ARCA or, you know, even right into the truck series nowadays as you get into your late teens and early 20s. So it's part of a development program that a lot of teams use now to teach, you know, younger kids car control and it's amazing just how good some of these people are. They were three classes when I used to go. They had semi-pro, pro, and masters, uh, depending on what age and skill level you were. And they just, they'd just they have like 150 cars on a Tuesday night show up to run these races. It was just amazing. So really cool to see a segment on these Legends cars here on Inside Monster Jam. And now we get to go to the main event here on the first week of action from Charlotte, and that is the Monster Truck Challenge class, the open qualifying class, racing for that purse money. And we're going to kind of pick up with round two action on the broadcast, but I'm going to go ahead and cover these round one pairings as well. Thanks to Andrew Fielder's old site, Monster Trucks UK. Uh, he was at the event and kind of had a full event recap that I was able to go back and see. This is one of the sites that I used to go on a ton back in the early internet days uh, to look at pictures of monster trucks and, you know, he'd have event coverage and that's what how I knew that CFP was a thing because he had event recaps from all the CFP shows back then with the dirt jumps and I was like, man, that's really cool. They're doing like, you know, racing over dirt, small arena, there's no cars and they have more room and, you know, now everybody just complains about having no crush cars, but Ed Beckley was doing it back in the 90s. So uh, first round, thanks to you, uh, Monster Trucks UK, we've got Reptoid beating Clydesdale. Thrasher beats Blown Thunder. Gunslinger beats out Sudden Impact. 
King Crunch knocks out the orange crate. A uh, little tiger, it says, I believe, had a buy run because there was no opponent listed. Cyborg beating Jeff Bercy and Toasaurus. Black Stallion beats Ground Pounder. And War Wagon beats that Piso Avenger truck. So that's your round one recap from here in Charlotte. I can't say there's a whole lot of surprises. Uh, there's some good matchups here, especially that Ground, uh, ground Pounder Black Stallion matchup. Two four link trucks going at it. And Steve Woodard pushed that truck pretty hard back in the day so i'm sure that mike vaughters had to work for that one a lot of other matchups here are a little bit more one-sided in terms of how the qualifying lineup uh you know factors in so i mean cheech i don't know do you have any commentary here on those matchups in round number one we don't have any video to go off of uh man the, yeah because based off of uh the video itself but uh the way i was surprised was this black stallion ground pounder like you said because uh later on in the episode uh, uh that that's one truck where it got himself in a cattywampus situation but somehow got out of it yeah we'll cover that run here upcoming in the show now we go back to the tv show here and we're picking up with our round two highlights and you can see this is now saturday night and the stands at the front stretch of the charlotte motor speedway really are packed i mean they used to completely load the place up back then um there's more people here than there were for the summer shootout events i can tell you that for sure uh we do have some of the early round you know just real quick um shots because round two let me check my event format here round two was still pretty early in the day on saturday and they had opened the gates pretty early so let me see here saturday i'm leafing through my pamphlet here we got friday saturday so challenge round two um was still well before opening ceremonies so four o'clock on saturday afternoon was the monster truck challenge elimination round two and that was right after the four-wheel drive truck pulling, the street-modified sand racing, and four-wheel drive pull-off. Uh, round one was actually at 12.15 in the afternoon, so right after qualifying. So they were really stretching this event out the whole day. And even here at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, multiple hours before opening ceremonies and the anthem and everything, and, and the big trucks come out in the championship class, the stands are, are really very, you know, built up here through this first few sections. I'd say probably a good seven, 8,000 people here just to watch this challenge class run. And the first run we get to see is Liquidator taking out Sudden Impact. Uh, Bob Fisher looking really, really good on this course, as we mentioned earlier. Jim Jack in Raptoid, we get a little quick segment with him, you know, talking about flossing the teeth up. But he is going to come up just short of Pat Suma and the Thrasher. A really, really good round two race here. Good racing between the two. Thrasher just going to eke that one out at the finish line. Gunslinger looking really good. Going to completely decimate Blown Thunder in round number two action. King Crunch gets out of shape over the, the second, you know, two pair of cars here and really gets himself back going right before that finished jump but he just couldn't regroup in time bennett clark coming from behind in that leaf spring truck to take the win over king crunch cheech that's kind of an upset here in round number two especially with leaf spring truck oh yeah especially with uh uh i don't know what extreme changes that he had with the clydesdale truck but compared to king crunch uh yeah clydesdale was what still no, still had the early 90s technology, correct? 
yeah, I mean, it was pretty much darn near the same exact setup he was running in TNT action in 1990. So uh, cool to see that Bennett was still able to keep that truck competitive for so long. We see Cyborg winning over Mistress. And I think Scott um, you know, mentions that he beat Toasaurus. That was actually the round one matchup. We see the round two video here of him beating Dawn Borders and Mistress. Black Stallion going to beat Survivor in round number two. That's one of the more heavy-hitting matchups between two good four-link trucks here. And it's a really good finish. Chuck Jordan kind of gets... Uh, a nasty front end hit off the penultimate set of cars, and that allows Vauders to kind of fly past, take the win there. One run we don't get to see is Jeff Cook and Warwagon taking out Larry Meyerhofer and Thunderdog. That was also a second round matchup. So we're starting to see the cream kind of rise to the top here as we see our, our quarterfinal round now, as we transition into nighttime and look at all the people at the grandstands at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The walk up sales for this event had to have been pretty impressive because they've got people stretched darn near into turn number one um, and then filled in all the way through the front stretch all the way beyond you know the the starting line of the rough trucks course here all the way into the shutdown area for the monster trucks there's got to be you know probably close to, to 15 or 20,000 people here just watching just from the grandstand side and let's not forget they got the infield full of people too doing all the other kind of activities and events there so I'm sure some people are still hanging out in the infield as well at this event especially a lot of the event participants so um, you know despite them losing out a ton of money on this event which is I'm sure why they didn't do it again to this capacity they still had a pretty good attendance I mean Cheech look at all the people there in the front stretch that's that's very impressive, especially uh, shout out to the marketing people that market this program because uh, we, you don't get to see that a lot anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the folks in Charlotte do a great job and in conjunction with SRO Pace here as well, they really did get this out. Um, ahead of time in terms of you know this is going to be a big event make sure you come and see it and the people did turn out uh about as, as much as you could ask them to really i mean they filled in a good portion of that front stretch probably more than they would get for a, a truck series race back then um it's really really impressive to see so we're going to head into the quarterfinal round now this is uh, the next round that they show on the TV broadcast. Black Stallion just going to get the edge over a hard-charging Jeff Cook and Warwagon. Man, that's that's almost a photo finish. I get maybe a half a tire length to Vauders at the finish line from the camera angle we have here. Um, the racing really, really starting to tighten up as the, as the cream rises. Again, as I said, the four-link trucks are really taking control here of this racing bracket, especially the newer four-link trucks. They're really, really performing well. We see... Um, Little Tiger here uh, and Black Stallion going super, super hard. Excuse me. Little Tiger and Cyborg. That's uh, another quarterfinal matchup that we get to see here. Brian Barthel in the uh, the very first Patrick production chassis, if I recall correctly. That was the old Magnum Force truck. And he's, he's looking good, and he's really up and coming through this 97 season. And then we get to see Little Tiger and Black Stallion. I mean, these guys... Dan, they're just really going after it. They're wide open. They got the trucks on kill. Vauders is all kinds of out of shape over that next to the last set of cars. I mean, he lands really, really hard on the right rear, and he just never takes his foot off the throttle. Right. He uh, and that, especially that uh, matchup against Little Tiger. Uh, I mean, you're you're so close. You're, I mean, you're you're another round to that purse. 
So now you have to up the ante of yourself and the truck itself. And and uh, little Tiger just edged him out just a little bit. Just a tiny little bit straighter over that middle set of cars. And that allows Barthel to kind of... He doesn't even really get settled down. He just keeps the hammer down and kind of bounces into that last ramp and really skies the truck out, clears all eight cars by a good, you know, 15 or 20 feet, lands really hard on the rear end. But Little Tiger going to be the first truck punching his ticket into the finals here of the Monster Truck Challenge at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now on the other side of the bracket, Liquidator takes out Thrasher. Again, a very, very close race between two coilover trucks. Um Really cool to see, you know, Thrasher has the lead. Patsuma kind of sends it a little too hard over that uh, final two-car jump and kind of gets a little bit out of shape, lands all the way in the middle of the two, and then uh, Bob Fisher kind of putting the power down and flying past him over that last set of cars. I mean, these guys are trying to come up with a strategy to make it work here on this long 400-foot, four-jump straight-line track. And I think Fisher may have the upper hand in terms of taking it easy through that first half and then really smashing the gas once he gets back on the ground and kind of putting the power over that final set of cars. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it looks like he, he, you know, people may people may think this is crazy, but in motocross, you're supposed to have a groove. And I think Fisher knew a certain groove during that 400-foot track where the truck would settle. Just settle enough for him to keep the hammer down. Yeah, and that was a quarterfinal race there. Uh, such good racing between Thrasher and Liquidator. Now, Gunslinger going to kind of clean out Clydesdale here. Bennett taking a bad hop over the middle set of cars. Uh, the Leaf Springs just can't keep up with how hard he's pushing that truck. And Hardsock going to go up against Bob Fisher in Liquidator in that some other semifinal round. Two Fords going at it to face the Chevy Little Tiger here. Who's going to make it to the finals? Well... We're going to get to see the whole run here on the IMJ coverage, and it looks like Bob Fisher gets a little bit of a better drive right off the start. He gets about a half truck length lead, even over that first little roller, and he just kind of toes Scott Hartsock all the way down the track. Scott pushing it hard, but just can't quite make up the difference, and Bob Fisher with another good, smooth, straight run is going to go into that final round here for all the money. An extra big bonus. I think it's an extra two grand to the winner to give you that total $5,500. So these guys in the finals really have something to race for, Cheech. If you watch that race, it was just Bob. Uh, from the start to the finish, He, like you said, he was pulling Gunslinger throughout that whole uh, race. Uh, it just, once again, it, just the rhythm that Bob had, uh, not even, you came to that race, just not even one sight of Gunslinger keeping up with liquidator and this just shows how good purse racing can really be you know these guys they're only going an extra 500 bucks per round and they're pushing these trucks that hard um now granted this is the 90s the the industry is in a little bit different place back then than what it is now but these guys would go out and race for this money back then and and i'd love to see somebody put up you know, even something similar to this, where you can get an extra five hundred bucks around, maybe in a an eight or ten truck bracket at a you know one of these larger outdoor shows in the summer um, for one of our independents. I know Elliot's done it in the past, with, you know, winter winter bonus and stuff like that at monster truck throwdown events. So what you could tell when these guys go out and race for the money, they're going to put it on kill. They want not only just that prize money, but the bragging rights to say, "Hey, I won it when all the cards were on the table." 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, even even now today, uh, Monster Jam gives a little bit of bonuses and stuff like that. And it kind of pushes us to run just uh, just as hard as their company trucks. Oh, but it's so fake! <laughs> I didn't know that, honestly, that you guys had an incentive program. That's really cool to hear. That gives me some ammo against all the trolls uh, on the oh, message board yeah. and on the Facebook group. So, hey, these, these guys are, have something to race for, too, uh, especially the independents that are booked out to run on these tours. That's good to hear. Um, it's always good to have that incentive. We're coming back from commercial here. Uh, we're going to take a little pause in the monster truck action from, from Charlotte. Well, at least in terms of the competition, because Jerry is going to get to drive the gunslinger. Um, we had a lot of rain here, as we mentioned, through the afternoon where the track was real slick earlier in the day. And that's going to provide an interesting test for Jerry because he's never taken a monster truck over cars before. He did get to drive uh, Gravedigger down at the, at the test loop, but I'm not sure if that was recorded before or after uh, this happened. But either way, he's never been over cars yet. And we see Mark Mc, or, uh, excuse me, Mike McFarland giving Jerry Bernardo some instructions on what he wants him to do. And we see that Jerry's actually going to get to do this in front of the grandstands. This is prior to the opening ceremonies of Saturday night's program. We see the sun starting to go down just a little bit. Jerry takes off, and the gunslinger rolls into second gear really nice, goes over that roller, and then as he approaches the uh, that set of cars, it sounds like the truck maybe either falls out of gear uh, or or maybe he knocked the shifter or something because the buzz the engine buzz is really bad, um, but it you know, doesn't over rev it too much. It doesn't hurt the engine, I guess, because Scott was able to go on through the brackets that night, and the truck lands. He stops kind of as he was instructed, kind of before that next set of cars, and just kind of gets one tire up on the ramp a little bit. Scott says Jerry did a, just a fine job. Um, we did have some breakage. Jerry went to, to go turn the truck around but had no steering, and turns out a hydraulic hose kind of just popped on that landing. And Jerry offers to pay for it. <laughs> uh, here's that whole exchange between Jerry and Scott. Okay, Jerry, here we are, Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's your turn to take this gunslinger for a ride over the cars. You yeah, ready? We've, we've been talking about this for a while, huh? Yeah, it's been going on a couple of months now. The day has come. Hey, and the time. Look at it's greasy, too. It is. Think I'm going to get squirrely? Hey, I think you are squirrely, my friend. <laughs> I just I, hope you can hold on that steering wheel, mat the gas, and put her down the other end of that truck. Nice and smooth. How many people do you let drive the gunslinger? Nobody. How much does the, the gunslinger cost? You're looking at a, you're sitting in a hundred thousand dollar race vehicle, and we're gonna jump too. None of us just flat stuff. No, we're gonna jump. Yeah. So you think you're goofy? I'm goofy for letting him drive. It's all good on IMJ. We just want to have fun. Can we have a little bit of fun? Hey, let's have some fun. Okay. We're cocked, locked, ready to rock. Get in. The roller. Get over the first set of cars, and I'm gonna shut you off. Okay. All right. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll stage you. And I'll keep my eye on you. Okay. Jerry, you did a fine job. That thing left real good, went over that first set of cars there, caught a little air, come in here, and you got a little crossed up there going to that second set. But, man, I tell you what, you're, you got the neck. I was trying to shut it off before the second set, but I wasn't sure what was going on. Then I tried to back it up like a pro. He told me to put it in reverse. Pretty simple. And, like, I was turning, and the wheel wasn't going. What happened? It looks like we got a hydraulic hose broke, something that's real simple. We'll get it fixed, yeah. and we'll come back here. So it wasn't me, then? No, not at all. Not at all. I don't know. You might have been grabbing a hold of the steering wheel so hard, you might have choked the fluid right out of it. It's pretty cool, though. I mean, there's a lot of power. <laughs> it is. Not very many people get to do that stuff. Right. In front of uh, the fans here at U.S. Truck Fest, 
Dude, pretty thanks. good. Seriously. All right, Jerry. That was fun. Sorry about the hose. Hey, what's that, like a few bucks? Yeah, two, three bucks. You know, don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> now, Cheech, it's kind of good that Jerry kind of broke that part on that first run because if that would have happened to Scott while he was racing, that would put him out for the night, cost him a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, and then and then he gets a fresh new part, puts the part back on, he's ready for racing. So sometimes it's a good thing that you can find little gremlin problems uh, supporting – uh, people that want to drive a truck, you know. What I mean, uh, it could be it could be someone else that could have took the position, and the good thing that Scott said, yeah, we could try it with my truck. Uh, it, sometimes it could be a good lifesaver. Yeah, it gave Scott the opportunity to get that thing tightened up a little bit more for the competition later in the evening. We get to see some sand drag highlights here from Charlotte. Daryl Galloway in the night shift Valvoline vehicle going to take the uh, event win here for the sand drags. Tough trucks action. Pretty intense on the asphalt front stretch here. Mike Keith going to take the win in the Mountaineer prototype with a 14.8 second final round run. Now, they ran these trucks two at a time, but for, according to my event format, they were doing those uh, for time. Uh, timed runs so whoever got the better time out of that round would advance on to the next round so um that's what they ended up having was uh, let me see here intermission at 905 then we had our our side-by-side uh, -side street elimination final eight trucks running for fast time so the fastest out of those eight guys in the tough trucks competition gets to take the win and it was mike keith in the mountaineer prototype he would come back the next year in charlotte with a mountaineer 2 prototype and would end up uh, flipping the truck upside down both days so uh, definitely a better 1997 than 1998 for mike keith he beats uh, thomas ray white in preliminary competition there in the twister truck so some of the bigger names in the rough trucks uh, environment coming out to race here in charlotte and what's i think is really cool is one of these you know later final runs Keith really gets a bad start, but he ends up coming back against this kind of buggy-looking vehicle to take the uh, overall event win. So you got to stay in it the whole time. You never know if you're going to be able to come back and take that win. And also you think about, too, the track was pretty long for those guys also. Um, yeah. So, and, 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 and that uh, uh, that roller – not roller, but that three-jump uh, in the front straightaway uh, – can also show some abuse towards those trucks uh later on in the future it uh, uh abused the monster truck but uh <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about that later yeah for sure We've got Adam Murphy, who's kind of like an IMJ correspondent. He's in the extreme zone in the Charlotte infield where we get some BMX skateboarding and other extreme sports being featured here. And it kind of makes sense that they would feature this on IMJ for ESPN2 because extreme sports are really gaining popularity uh, at the time here in the late 90s. And ESPN2 was kind of marketed toward a more, more youthful, edgy image. And it kind of lent itself perfect, perfectly for these alternative sports. And it was really the X Games were getting big. Uh, it was like their third or fourth year for the X Games. And that really peaked out there in the late 90s, early 2000s. The, the video games were everywhere. You know, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out, you know, a couple years later. And the BMX games, everything was just extreme sports in the late 90s. Yeah. And then ESPN, too, being the alternative program compared to ESPN. Uh, it definitely uh, opened up the doors uh, to uh, the popularity of the extreme sports that you will see uh, today with like X Games and motocross and stuff like that. 
we move on here. It's final time in Charlotte for the challenge class. And we've got $2,000 in purse money in this race alone that is on the table. So whoever wins is going to go home a lot richer than they were coming into this round of racing. Liquidator versus Little Tiger for Chevy matchup. And unfortunately for the fans here, we see that the race is pretty much over at the second obstacle because Little Tiger is going to end up kind of missing that first set of cars with the front end. And Liquidator is going to just smooth cruise on to take the challenge class win and the total $5,500 purse on the night. Not a bad payday for Bob Fisher and Liquidator. Uh, Jerry, you know, reiterates how these got to race for purse money and you know, we the, the replay we get to see it's just barthol just didn't get a good launch he was never really in it this whole race bob just had that track dialed cheech oh yeah yeah the dialed in uh it, just the rhythm of that truck hitting the obstacles uh it just he knew exactly when the truck was settling and then continue on and and th it was back-to-back -back races that the competitor that was taking on liquidator uh, wasn't even in the picture, you may say. Yeah, it looked like there may have been a little bit of a difference in lanes here. Mentioned in the previous round that Liquidator got so much of a better start over Gunslinger. And I think that left lane takeoff was probably a lot more slick than the right lane because Bob Fisher just camped in that right lane the whole the whole night. Each round of racing was able to get the job done. Uh, here's here's a situation too. You talked earlier that um, the, the the open open group. And the championship group kind of intertwine. Now the championship racing is a U-turn, so mm -hmm. could there have been possible way of them throwing in, you know, it rained, but with the U-turn of course, could that have affected uh, some of the starting line portion of the event for the open qualifying guys? Because you know you have tires kind of digging through in a turn, kind of making a little bit of a rut. And, and uh, you know, because it's going from concrete, grass, to dirt, uh, couldn't that, could that possibly affect uh, the, the straight line portion of the uh, event for those guys? Definitely could have. You know, they're starting in an area where the, the championship class trucks are coming out of their turns. So depending on how the material is being pulled out of the infield from those other trucks, it could affect these guys. You know, we, we have the one lane that's kind of turning around somewhat on asphalt onto the grass. Um, I think that left lane, in terms of the challenge class, had a little bit more grass on that side of the track. So the guys turning in were probably sliding a little bit more. Um, you know, we're just pontificating here you know, what we think the difference may be in the lanes but uh, there was definitely a difference you could see how the trucks were launching in this challenge class there's just so much difference but liquidator ends up being your winner here's jerry's interview with our winner bob fisher well the liquidator was running really good all weekend you must be psyched the lion's share of the first and that means some fat cake here at the u.s truck Fair. yeah yeah we uh, had to run it hard but we got the whole angelata so uh, like show me the money you know um, we did real good. I want to thank my engine sponsor, which is Cunningham Competition in hometown, uh, Harrisonville, New Jersey, which without him, I couldn't have did this. So it's thanks a million to him. I bet you all the big guys like Digger and Monster Patrol, they're a little jealous. Yeah, they get paid to come here, but you guys get to really race for money. Can you say it right now? Show me the money with feeling? Show me the money. That's what you like to hear on the liquidated scene. Hey, that's it from show one here at the U.S. Truck Fest. 
You want more? We got more. Next week, show two, the top 10 trucks, the top 10 monster trucks in the world. I want to thank Humpy Wheeler. My man, we're up on the roof. Greatest seat in the house. This is Inside Monster Jam. I'm Jerry B. Oh, and your name is? Bob Fisher with Liquidator. Yeah. Bob finishing it out there with Show Me the Money. And uh, again, the purse here. Jerry's trying to get him to buy breakfast the next morning. I don't know if Bob obliged him on that or not, but uh, Cheech, pretty strong showing here for Bob Fisher and the liquidator kind of gets to take the title out of the weekend as the top independent in the industry. Right, right. And he's in liquidator, even around that time frame there, uh, liquidator was a popular truck in general. So it was always a truck, no matter what venue you're going to be at, was a thread and to win the race. I remember a few what was it, uh, 97, 98, liquid, it wasn't Liquidator in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, 98, uh, I think 99 as well. That's when you had the new truck, right? Well, same truck, new body, um, and it's the truck that went on to become the next Sudden Impact, too, which, you know, John Seesaw had so much success with. So he, he really did a good job building that truck. Bob Fisher did. That was the truck that started as UFO for 1993, and he just really got his money worth out of that thing he won a lot of races uh sold it off to john seesaw john won a bunch of races the one of the first guys to completely beat goldberg straight up in a head-to-head matchup in racing with that truck as well so i mean it was a good piece for sure and uh man it, it was cool to see that uh uh just just uh it was one of my favorite trucks i'm not gonna lie i always like the the camo green and the lightning bolt. I always, for the longest time, trying to figure out what was the name, the meaning of the name. But later on, I found out the history of it, and it, it was based off of his business. Yes, indeed. We're going to finish the show off here with IMJ, kind of getting a preview of the following week's show with the championship class for Monster Trucks. Scott Stevens going to make the all-time IMJ crash wheel. Uh, Scott Douglas is saying here, and then that kind of ends our first show here from Charlotte. Now, this whole weekend in June, Cheech, I, what do you rate this episode on a 10 scale? Before before I give you my scale uh, or my grade, what do you say? I would say, I, being a magazine-style format, IMJ in general was awesome for me to see. And, and, and also how they went base off of this Charlotte. They, they, went, they went pretty good on this. Um, I would give it a 8.5 um, because um, out, the reason I, I would give it a 9 or a 9.5, I just wish uh, they would have done a little bit more coverage of like the first round and, and uh, you know, um, based off of that. I know it's a highlight, mostly it's a highlight theme program, but uh, maybe you could have shown the first round a little bit. Um, but outside of that, that was pretty much the only downfall for me was about that. So I, I would say 8.5. Yeah, I mean, this is a really well-produced show. The the SEALs Communications Group, I think, was who you know helped produce this show. Um, 
they did a great job on all the shows that they were involved with. They were involved with Supercross as well. And the production level, you can tell with the graphics and the way that they did their transitions. Uh, the, the directing is good. The action is good. There's no real slow spots in the show. You have all the segments, which is part of the magazine format. You know, This is a very Charlotte-centric show. We only got that other Sacramento race, really, for monster trucks. Usually they would have like three different ones, but as we're rounding out the, the series here, they have, they have this big Charlotte event that they want to make sure they feature heavily. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this an 8.5 as well, just from the fact that they kind of gave us a little fib on the number of monster trucks there. But, um, you know, I agree with you that they probably could have benefited from maybe showing a little bit more of the monster truck action. Um, maybe, you know, just cut down by a few seconds, some of those other segments as well, but they do a good job of doing the well-rounded program as they always did. So we're pretty aligned here on our gradings here. That's our first episode from Charlotte. Uh, you know, you want to make sure to check out Cheech, uh, on the crush this podcast they're doing every week with the live video as well. Cheech, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, we, we, uh, are on every Tuesday night. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, Facebook and YouTube Live. Uh, later on, uh, we'll put on Spotify and iTunes, but uh, we like to go in-depth with the, the drivers. We want to know about the drivers. We want to know about the crew guys. We want to know about any person that put their hands in the cookie jar of the world of monster trucks. We want to know. And uh, want to know what they you know, do for fun or and stuff in general so that's that's our our podcast format and then uh uh we also got a uh, uh spread.com like clothing store that we got some t-shirts now for sale and stuff like that memorabilia we learned from uh like bigfoot and and uh, a couple other uh uh sugar uh, king they kind of made a website like that so we're, we're kind of following off of their footsteps but uh, yeah, uh, go to follow us on Crush This a Monster Truck Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, like I said, we're on Facebook and on YouTube, and then we're also on iTunes and Spotify. Good deal, man. Make sure you check them out uh, on all those different platforms. And speaking of this platform, next week we're covering Monster Trucks 2000, the new Thrillinium. You want to make mm. sure you tune in for that one Cheech it's going to be amazing um, we talked about the scripted quad wars and maybe a little bit of scripted action going on here in Felsmere, Florida as well but uh, a lot of different happenings going on who knows what's happening down there in the swamp land so check in with us next time here on the Retro Monster Truck Review for Monster Trucks 2000. want to make sure to remind everybody to go out and donate blood if you can, American Red Cross or Vitalant locations, Central Blood Bank, whoever's in your hometown, uh, reach out to them. See if you can get an appointment. I think it's like every 56 days you're allowed to give blood if you're eligible. Um, the stores are really, really running low for the people that need it in the hospitals. Uh, it's a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. So please make sure you go out and donate blood if you can. That's going to wrap it up here. Week one oh, one from more Charlotte. thing. One more oh, what thing. What do you got? Uh, uh, I always do this in my podcast. Maybe spread some love to this one too. Uh, check up on your friends and family. Uh, we are very, awesome. very, very push. We very push mental awareness. Um, you know, we, we have lost a lot of people that shouldn't, you know, should be still living on this earth. And uh, the, the mental battles 
that they had uh, the demons and stuff like that. that it, just the, in general, we, we really push that awareness and uh, always check up on your friends and family uh, because uh, you just never know if they need that. For sure, man. If it's somebody you haven't talked to for a while, give them a ring on the phone. Say, hi, how are you? Um, you never know what that could mean to somebody, you know, so um, we want to make sure we we cover that as well. Um, I believe Josh every week also posts the, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, so you want to make sure that, you know, there are resources out there available to you if you're going through a difficult time in your life. And uh, we're, we're much better off having you here than not having you here. So um, with that, we'll end it up here in Charlotte, week number one. Cheech, thanks for being with us on the show. Um, we'll see what uh, what happens in the future. Maybe we'll get you on again. So we'll wrap it up here from the Mon Retro Monster Truck Review. Thanks for tuning in with us. Show me the money.